This is Mark Halleck, and welcome to the Leading Church Revitalization Podcast. This podcast is designed to encourage and equip you for the work of leading church revitalization in your context. I really hope and pray you will be helped and you'll be encouraged and you might even be a little bit inspired in our time together. Because here's the truth, there's a lot of churches people have given up on that God is just not done with. So thanks for coming by and let's link arms together to replant and revitalize churches for the glory of God and for our joy in Him. One of the great challenges in church revitalization is that oftentimes dying churches have lost their vision and their passion for sharing the gospel with a lost and dying world. Even for a pastor who is passionate about gospel proclamation, it can be hard to motivate a weary congregation. And so as you go into a declining church, you will need to figure out how to bring new vision to mobilize and equip the flock for effective evangelism in the community. Now, it should go without saying, but Jesus commands and commissions believers to share the gospel with the entire world. And that makes this an obedience issue at the very heart of it. We need to help our people see that no matter how old or tired or discouraged they may be, this is Christ's gracious and I would say glorious and privileged calling on their life. Listen to a few verses that speak to this. In the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, Before he ascends to heaven, go and make disciples of all nations. It really couldn't be much clearer. Go and make disciples. This involves the proclaiming and the teaching of the gospel. In Acts 20, 24, the Apostle Paul says to the Ephesian elders, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. And then when you look a little further in verse 24, what is the task? He says, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul was very single-minded to testify to the saving grace of Jesus that not only saved him, but would save anyone who would repent and turn to Christ. That must be our single focus as well. What about John 20, 19? After his resurrection, Jesus explains how we are walking in alignment with his will and desires when we tell others about him. Look at what it says. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You can see that it is the will of the Lord Jesus that we be sent out as his missionaries to proclaim the good news of the gospel that the lost might be saved. Jesus is the only way of salvation, and therefore it is our job, it is our joy, and our challenge as a church to take this message to people who will go to hell apart from Christ. That's the bottom line. I know that's strong language, but that is the clear teaching of Scripture. This is the weightiness of this topic. 
Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. One of the problems in churches that need revitalizing is that they have lost the urgency to get the gospel message out. Our leadership challenge then is to help the flock by the power of the Spirit become brokenhearted over the lost, fueled by a passion that many might be saved. And so at this point, what I want to do is consider an important guiding question for this discussion, and it's this. Why is mobilizing a congregation for strategic relational evangelism so crucial to healthy biblical revitalization, to actually helping a church come back to health and vibrancy and make a major impact in their community for the sake of the gospel? Now, in addition to the biblical mandate, as I've already mentioned, for evangelism, I want to just offer six reasons particularly relevant to declining churches as to why evangelism is so important. And so here's number one. Churches that are passionate about evangelism tend to be more outward focused. Rediscovering a vision and passion to evangelize those far from Jesus helps a congregation to stop thinking so much about themselves. When a church begins to really believe in the absolute eternal importance of reaching the lost with the gospel, the Holy Spirit begins to kill any kind of self-centered, inward-focused, preference-driven attitude that exists in that congregation. It is a heart for evangelism that turns an inward-focused people into an outward-focused people. Number two, the healthiest churches grow through evangelistic growth, not simply transfer growth. This is really important to understand. When you go in to revitalize a congregation, you're going to get some transfer growth. You just will. There are going to be people, typically believers in the community, who are excited about what God is doing in your church. They will want to be part of the new vision and direction you are leading. This isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it is very helpful to have some solid core families perhaps from local partner churches that can come and be part of this revitalization work. However, the healthiest churches don't grow simply by transfer growth. They grow through evangelistic growth. Listen, there's nothing like the passion, the energy, the excitement that new believers bring, particularly to a church in need of revitalization. It sparks absolute joy in that congregation. It truly gives the people hope that God isn't done with them. In Acts chapter 2, verses 46 to 47, we see that this was true of the early church. We read, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then check this out. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is a picture of a healthy church. This is a church that is outward focused and on mission. This is a church that wants to take the gospel to those who need to be saved. Friends, our churches must be driven by the same passion. Number three, when a dying church begins to focus on reaching the lost, it sparks a renewed passion for intercessory prayer. If you look closely at scripture, you don't really see these two things separated, evangelism and prayer. When we are passionately reaching the lost with the gospel, we understand that it's only by the power of God that anyone is saved. And so this leads us to beg God through intercessory prayer to save our friends and family members who don't know Christ. 
our coworkers that we're investing in, our neighbors that we're getting to know and we're building friendship with. What we need then is not just evangelistic fervor, but to be on our knees interceding for the souls we're trying to reach with the gospel. Many of our declining churches have lost this passion for intercessory prayer. Evangelism can help spark that once again. Here's number four. When believers evangelize the lost, it forces them to grow in their ability to clearly articulate and communicate biblical and theological truth. Now, I think this is true in children's ministry, youth ministry, and ministry with adults. One of the greatest ways to help your people grow in biblical and theological knowledge is encouraging them to be friends with people who don't know Jesus and to begin having spiritual conversations with them. When this happens, a believer is all of a sudden being asked questions like, why do you believe the Bible is true? This is a question that forces our people to think and study hard so they can answer well. If someone in your church was asked, how can you say that Jesus is the only way to salvation? I mean, that seems so close-minded. Are they equipped to be able to respond to that question biblically, knowledgeably, and graciously? Unfortunately, in many churches today, folks are not well equipped to answer, namely because they're actually not very concerned with having that conversation with a lost person. And friends, this has to change. We've got to equip them to encourage them and challenge them to begin having spiritual conversations with those who don't know Christ in our communities. Number five, a church experiences growing unity as they partner together in the spread of the gospel. There's nothing like being part of a team that is unified and working together toward the same goal. It's true on the basketball court, on the football field, and it's true in the church. Jesus has told us what our mission is. Our mission is to make disciples of all nations, to proclaim this gospel to the ends of the earth. This is what we are to be about together. And there's a deep joy when a church is united and agrees upon this biblical mission and then pursues it together. It makes me think of Acts 4, 32 to 33, where we read, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There are two things that stand out in this text. We see unity and we see power. Those two things come together when a church is moving forward on mission, unity and power. Don't doubt it for a second. God uses these two things to advance his kingdom and change the world for his glory. He will use these to transform your church as well. Finally, number six, God is honored and glorified when his people proclaim the gospel through personal evangelism. The glory of God is what should drive everything we do in life and ministry. As his people obey him joyfully, God is glorified as he saves people for his sake. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your life shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Here we see a word picture of what it looks like for us to be a gospel people on mission through word and deed. 
And what happens as people's lives are changed? God is glorified. He is seen for all that he is in all of his beauty. He is seen in all of his wonder and splendor, and he is glorified in it. As churches, we bring him glory as we seek to evangelize the lost and take the gospel to all people to the very ends of the earth. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast today. Hey, as you continue to grow, I want to point you in the direction of a book called Leading Church Revitalization. This entire podcast is really built on and based on that book. You can pick it up at Amazon.com today. Also, check out AcomaPress.org. Acoma Press is committed to putting out resources to help encourage and equip you as a revitalizer or a replanter. It's also very committed to help equip congregations that are struggling and facing serious decline. And one last thing, I would love to stay in touch with you. So let's connect on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Any way I can serve you, I would love to do that. Man, I can't wait till we're together next time. Thanks so much for stopping by. God bless you all.